All right, where we've got a pairing for every red herring. Welcome back to Liquid Gold right here on WeOwnThisTown.net, the We Own This Town podcast network. My name's Mike Wolf with you here today. We've got our cocktail correspondent pairing professional, Jessica Backus, along for the ride. And we will be checking in with my cohort, Mr. Kenneth Dedman, for a really cool edition of Booze News today. That'll come later in the show. In a minute, I'm going to call up Jess here, and we are going to go through all these different Thanksgiving sides that we're going to miss this year. And if anyone is making them at home this year, like some of us, um, we're going to talk you through some some prep stuff and a few secrets and even a few recipes for some of these standbys, as well as, and more importantly, we're going to go over wine pairings for each of these different side dishes, which is something we did last year a little bit. And it's just kind of fun to go through all these different pairings because a lot of psalms, a lot of wine people out there say, you know, Thanksgiving is really hard to pair. It's really hard to pair with turkey and all these other, but it's not true. It's really not. It's easy. There is a million different wines that work for different components of the meal. It's it's one of those wines or one of those meals where you want to have like two or three glasses of wine, different wines available. And, uh, and you can kind of pick and choose. You could do a little white with one course and do a little red with another. But it is a meal where all these different wines will work. And so we're going to talk through that. We got a bunch of different wines to talk about that Jess and I just love. Um, Food-friendly, light wines. That's kind of what you want to lean on for Thanksgiving. Um, so we'll get her on the line here shortly. As always, you can email us at liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. That's liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at liquidgold underscore pod and all the We Own This Town activities are at, uh, at We Own This Town. And want to throw a shout out to our producer, Michael Eads, Upright T-Rex for the music and Jess Matcham for the logo. Also need to throw a shout out to Tennessee Action for Hospitality, helping people who need it the most this, uh, this year, which has just been, uh, I'm trying not to say the word unprecedented because I know people are hearing that too much, but uh It's been supremely fucked up. We'll just say that. And they are helping people in the service industry. I did the ebook, Lost Spring, How We Cocktailed Through Crisis, over 50 recipes, anecdotes, stories, getting ready to put the finishing touches on the hardcover version of that book. But check out the ebook on Amazon. And there's a link on the liquid gold pages at weownthistown.net. So check that out, please, and help out all our comrades in the service industry, which is yet again facing more closures, more restrictions as we head into uh, what appears to be a bit of a dark winter. So let's all look out for each other there. And uh, really, I commiserate with everyone who was looking forward to being part of it, even if it's a group of eight people or 10 people or 12 or whatever for your Thanksgiving this year. Maybe your plans have canceled. So I commiserate with you there. I'm definitely missing family and friends and everybody. So uh, hopefully Jess and I talking you through some some fun Thanksgiving options and pairings will be some sort of solace uh, through all this. So let's turn it over to a talk with Jessica Backus. All right, our uh, pairing professional, our cocktail correspondent, Miss Jess Backus of Delaney Oyster House on the line, joining us for all of our uh, Thanksgiving prep. Jess, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Doing pretty well. Good to have you back here. Thank you for having me. It's always such a treat. We love having you. Um, thanks for joining us. You're like our season three secret weapon. Mm. 
<laughs> I like the idea of being a secret weapon. Yes. So we've got Thanksgiving coming up this year, a uh, non-traditional Thanksgiving this year, it seems, because a lot of them have been canceled. A couple of our, you know, little family hangs that we were doing have been canceled. And I know your your family trip was canceled, and I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you just learn to adapt, you know, and do what's best for you and your family and everyone in the world right now. That's right. So, yeah. I mean, so far, all of my family is very healthy, so there's nothing impending. I think this is a year for everyone to really learn how to enjoy their own company. Definitely. Which is important, because it's great to be able to enjoy the people that you love and the people you want to be around, your friends and your family, but it's super important to enjoy your own company. I think when I was in high school, I took a uh, environmental sort of ethics class, and we would take hikes all the time and take backpacking trips and the first trip we went on, we had to do a night by ourselves and the teacher didn't let us have, you know, any discman like music or anything. You just had a notebook and a pen with you. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you're bored when you're alone, you keep very poor company (laughs) for literally the last like 30 years has resonated with me. And so I keep trying to remind myself that it's important that I enjoy my own company, which I think is a great thing for all of us to be able to do this holiday because it's so much safer yeah, I love that. And if that's like the, I'm, I might put that on a t-shirt for 2020, like uh, I'm sick of myself or <laughs> I don't like hanging out with myself anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> we've had a lot of, a lot of practice with that. So yeah. I thought it'd be cool that we could potentially point some of our listeners in the direction of some of the old Thanksgiving comfort staples. So we're going to talk a few recipes, a few light cooking tips and things um because i think people are like us in the last few days they're kind of looking around like wait a second like i'm not gonna have mom's sweet potato casserole or i'm not gonna have uh my mother-in-law's great green bean casserole or you know so kate and i have been like we should uh we should try to make a few of these things so and then we'll be talking wine pairings with all these different things because i think One of the great things about Thanksgiving, any wine works throughout the evening as you're eating these different things. Um, And I know that you have a ton of cool pairings for us. Let's start off with green bean casserole. Now, I I love this one because this is a great story because this was Campbell Soup's test kitchen manager, Dorcas Riley. She came up with this recipe in 1955. It It was then in published in newspapers, and became just a total smash and a Thanksgiving staple. And it's super easy and cheap to make. And so all you need is one can, that's uh, 10 and a half ounces, one can, of Campbell's condensed cream of mushroom soup, half cup of milk, one teaspoon of soy sauce, one dash of black pepper, four cups of cooked cut green beans. And I think a lot of people for this recipe have done the canned green beans. That's fine. Um, and then the beautiful thing is you top it with one and a third cup of French's French fried onions, this crispy onions, crispy onions. And so all you do is you stir together the soup, the milk, the soy sauce, the pepper, and the beans. You stir that all together in a one and a half quart casserole. You bake it at 350 for about 25 minutes and then, uh, or until it's hot and bubbling. And then you sprinkle with the onions and then you cook it for about another five or 10 minutes while the crispy fried onions get even crispier. Yes. 
And so, and that's all it is. So let me put it to you. If you were just having this, what would be a great wine to showcase a simple, lovely dish like this one? The first thing for me that comes to mind is like a Gruner Veltliner. Oh, yes. So you have something which sounds, you know, obscure, but it's really not. Because number one, it's a really cool, uh, versatile wine in terms of the body being like medium to light and having a little bit of zip and a little bit of like cool sort of orchard fruit. But then what it has is this really neat sort of vegetal thing, but it's very light. And it's very like minerally. Mm. So it kind of hits all the notes. So it's good for like the creaminess. It's good for the green beans. It's good for the salty crunch of the crispy onions. And the best thing about it is it's not expensive. Right. So, and a lot of liter bottles. Think, a lot of liter bottles out there. Bottles. So you get a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah. And especially if you don't want to open, you know, something fancy or you don't want to spend a lot of money because you don't have anybody coming over. It's a really great go to um especially to start off and go with most of the food but especially for the green bean casserole yeah i love that yeah the green that green pepper uh vegetal thing that makes a ton of sense yeah really really neat. i love that so we talked a little bit before taping that you're going to be doing a little bit of a kind of a green bean bacon thing yeah so i think you know being that i'm only doing you know not like a huge meal Mm-hmm. We're going to just make a couple things that are really comforting and sort of make us happy. Um, and I think in order to sort of hybridize the idea of having like the Brussels sprouts and the green bean casserole and all of the things, we're just going to do like sort of Martins or, or even any kind of barbecue style, just do like bacon and green beans, like cook the bacon down and then cook the green beans in the bacon fat with probably a little bit of garlic and onions. Um, so it's almost like saucy. You know, mm-hmm. and then, uh, but still comforting and the green beans get cooked really nicely. So they're soft, but you still get a little bit of crunch and just have that comforting sort of not healthy vegetable. Right, right. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's all about the not healthy. It's all about taking vegetables and turning them into like pies, basically. Yeah, um, like stuffing a vegetable in a pig and then eating that. So, <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, the only, I could give the only tip I could give with the green beans barbecue style is you can sneak in like a bouillon cube and, uh, that's just making it kind of unfair, but it's delicious. So absolutely. And then the only thing I would add to that is right near the end of cooking, throw in a splash of like apple cider vinegar or some type of like light soft vinegar. Oh yeah. Cause then it brings out almost that like collard greens thing and mm-hmm. it brightens everything up. So it's not just heavy bacon fat with the darker vegetables and the, you know, the richness of the bouillon. That sounds great. Yeah. And if you don't have a bouillon cube, throw, you know, chicken stock or something in there. Yeah. Yeah. And we should like talk before or maybe some of the wine that you're cooking with. Yeah. Or that you're drinking while you cook. Throw a little bit of red in there, even a little bit of white would be fine. Don't cook with rosé because you want to drink as much as you can while you're on this planet. (laughs) I always have that dilemma because I'm like, I want to open a really nice wine to have with Thanksgiving, but I don't want to cook with that wine. So put a cheap bottle to cook with and sip on that until you sit down and enjoy your fancy bottle. Yeah, and for for our thirsty listeners out there, what um, let's talk about some cheap wines that you could get. So maybe like some cheap Chiani might be, might be good to cook with. Um, what are some other like 
just cheap ones in terms of like regions, areas, because you don't want to be getting, I mean, flavor wise, you probably could use one of these like $12, $13 California bottles, but you don't want to be spending that on your cooking wine. So what other wines should people be looking for that they can just strictly cook with? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Uh, I think especially when I'm cooking for Thanksgiving stuff in general, white wine, but I think the best kind of option is if you can find, there'll be like either Chardonnays or like Cote de Rhone uh, style wines, but from France, like non-classified Chardonnay from France, um, you can usually get a bottle for like around $10 or mm-hmm. less, you know, um, or those mid body blends that come from France, um, or even like really entry level Spanish stuff. Cause then what you get is not tons of body, not tons of like buttery Oak. The only thing you gotta be careful of with like getting an American wine that's like six or seven bucks is it might just be a butter bomb, which could sure. be great if you're putting it into certain things. Um, but I also think that you should get something you want to sip on while you're cooking with it. Because if you don't want to put it in your mouth straight, you don't really want to put it in your food. Yep. You know? Yeah. Um, but it tends to be that those type of like the French and Spanish uh, whites that are that like entry level non-classified kind of stuff tend to be really middle of the road in terms of texture, flavor, body, character, things like that. Yeah, they'll be um, versatile to cook with. Yeah. Yeah. And then for red stuff, like you were saying, Chianti is awesome. Uh, I'm always a, a big proponent of entry-level Rioja mm-hmm. or Spanish stuff that's even like Grenache from like Navarra or, or northern Spain. Um, it's really easy to get those wines for like nine or ten bucks, and they're totally solid for putting in pretty much any food um, and then also enjoying while you're preparing yeah. Um, and if you want to drink bubbles and then throw some bubbles into your green beans, that's never a bad idea either. Cause you're going to get some cool, like apple notes and bacon and apples and green beans and apples are really good too. So that's a good yeah. tip. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to mashed potatoes here. Um, super classic. Most people have them on their Thanksgiving table. Um, my only, uh, cooking advice for, mashed potatoes is definitely, I know some people like to do skin on, but I'm not, I'm not in that camp. I say peel them and cut them. You know, sometimes with these potatoes, you want to cut them in half so that when you boil them, they can cook really evenly. And then you want to be checking them with a fork kind of individually where you're pulling them up out of the water and you're checking them with a fork for doneness because you don't want them overdone. And you certainly don't want them underdone because the next step I would say is you're going to need a potato ricer. Or if you have one or if you want to invest in one for mashed potatoes, I think potato ricer is so, so invaluable to have um, because basically you're just dehydrating after, after you've cooked the potatoes in the water and you, and and you're getting ready to then mash them or pass them through a potato ricer. From that point, you want to sort of dehydrate them. And then, so what you're doing is putting them in the pot and letting some steam come out of the pot. And then you rehydrate them with milk, cream, butter. And there you go. Salt and pepper, done. Yeah. So I actually, so mashed potatoes are, you know, everybody has their one Thanksgiving thing. Mm-hmm. Mashed potatoes are one of my favorite things on the planet. So I'm like real big on mashed potatoes. Me and too. I learned an amazing technique from my favorite cookbook, 
which is Julia Child cooking with Master Chefs. Oh wow! And it's amazing because it came from her show that was like in the eighties and nineties, where she would have guest chefs on who were really well established, and they would give a recipe and then they would add techniques to it. And so this book is a compilation of all of these different chefs that she had on her show, and they each give a few recipes, and then the way that the recipes are laid out along the side columns of each page are amazing, and then each chef gives a tip for how to, like, execute things really well. And uh, Patrick Clark does this, like, like, fried grouper with mashed potatoes, but the mashed potatoes, what he does, and what I've done ever since then, and it's the best thing ever, is definitely peel and then chop them into like two inch cubes. Mm. So instead of just doing them in half, do them in big chunks, but definitely like, like big cubes, boil them, like parboil them basically until like 20 or so minutes. And then you strain them through a colander and then throw them on a sheet pan in the oven. Mm. And I think it's like 300 degrees or something. And you just dry them out for like 10 or 15 minutes. Love it. And you kind of like shake them and and, uh, and then once you pull that out, put them into a bowl either with just like a hand mixer or if you have a standing mixer and just put the paddle or the mixer thing on and just start throwing your butter and your milk and cream and salt into that. Yeah. It, it's all about the water de- a little. Yeah, but sure. Drying them out is that's the biggest thing. And I know that it's an extra step, but it makes the most luscious, silky, amazing, beautifully textured potatoes. And they're so delicious. And and I don't make them just at Thanksgiving. We make them like 15 times a year at least. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Kate has me making them all the time, especially this year. It's one of her comfort food staples. And okay. uh, yeah, that's essentially okay. the secret is really yeah. uh, dehydrate. And then when you're rehydrating, it's not water yeah. that you're using. <laughs> it's... Butter, oh man, Kenneth. Butter is the key to everything in life. <laughs> yeah, it's it's butter and milk and cream. Was and... Onto oh yeah. <laughs> well, I think uh, if I could put you on the spot, I think you do a lovely impression. <laughs> oh yeah, because we transferred that to our bitters as we were making cocktails. So, Miss Julia Childs, what might you need more of? We need more butter. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Unless you're making a cocktail, and then you need more. <laughs> that's great yeah all right so uh if if you were just gonna take mashed potatoes as the um centerpiece of the table which i think both of us would be fine doing but what would you pair mashed potatoes with yeah so uh there are a couple things that i think are really delicious and i think my sort of across the board if you're gonna be fancy or not even fancy but just like splurge a little my across-the-board favorite thing for most Thanksgiving foods would be Chablis. Just really beautiful, like, minerally white wine that's got a little bit of body to it. You know, the more so the, the more quality levels you go up in Chablis and the more age you get on Chablis, the more sort of roundness and texture and kind of cool, funky things come out of it. But even very, very entry-level Chablis has just beautiful like fruit and mineral combination and beautiful texture to it. And that's one of those things where it kind of like complements the texture of the mashed potatoes, but also goes nicely with the saltiness. Mm. Um, otherwise really neat kind of fun Croatian or Slovenian wines, like the Rubola that, uh, 
that we used to sell at Husk, which is basically like a Slovenian thing where they sort of let the wine stay on all of the skins and stuff through the winter until it starts re-fermenting in the spring. So you get a little of that funky, like if you can find like a natural wine or an orange wine or even just something with a little bit of skin contact. Because I think to me that like kind of adds a little punch to the mashed potatoes, but complements the saltiness really well and the butteriness really well. But the other thing that I think is going to be perfect for Thanksgiving and I think of with mashed potatoes is actually mead. Like Ooh, boys, mead. Yeah. If you live in Nashville, Honey Tree. Go to Honey Tree and pick up one of their meads because all of them would be lovely for Thanksgiving. But go to Honey Tree and pick up one of their meads and just even get a small bottle if you're not like accustomed to mead or you're a little bit on the fence about it. And just try it out, put it on the table or sip on it while you're cooking or while you're eating your dinner. Because pretty much every Thanksgiving food would benefit from being paired with mead. Right. <laughs> but the neat thing is, is if you're a little bit hesitant about getting like an orange wine or something a little funky, you get that earthiness from the mead. Like you get that fun, neat, sort of strange, hard to describe natural nature sort of thing with the mead but it also drinks kind of like wine and has that like refreshing thing and you can put a little bit of a chill on it or you can drink it you know room temperature but or cellar temp but i like to like put a little bit of a chill on them um just so that it kind of like makes it silky and like you know but but you got to be careful because you start drinking those and they go down really easy and the next thing you know you you wake up the day after thanksgiving and you don't remember what happened to the rest of your mashed potatoes yeah you're like what uh what what was that honey beverage i was drinking what happened yeah with mashed potatoes you're gonna need some gravy and the only um my only tip here with gravy because there's all these different ways you can do it but if you're going to be going to the trouble of cooking some of these things you're going to want stock and if you are kind of late in the game or you're like you don't really have it together where you have stock in the freezer or you don't cook a lot of stock necessarily what you can do is get say a rotisserie chicken or you know if you're getting takeout and you get some chicken you can use those bones basically um, making your own stock can be can be super easy where you're just throwing you know some of the leftover meat and the bones in a pot and cooking it with your aromatics, carrot, celery, onion, um, any other herbs that you've got. If you don't have a lot of aromatics to use up for your stock, I would just say then cook it down longer and you'll have just sort of a concentrated like meat. A broth, yeah. yeah, like a bone broth. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. um, but that you're definitely going to need some stock because it's something that you can add to all these different things. You can add it, splash to the green bean casserole. You'll, you're going to need some if you're doing Brussels or green beans. It'll be really nice to, to obviously, you make gravy from it. Um, so, yeah. Any other, what do you, what, any, other, any other tips that you like to throw out for, for gravy? Well, I agree with you about the stock. And honestly, if you're on board with making stock instead of buying stock, which I think is always better. I just have a little bag in my freezer where I save up onion scraps and vegetable scraps from cooking. Mm -hmm. um, so anytime I cook, uh, if you're cutting and peeling an onion, just those scraps, all of those can just go into the bag. And then if you go out or you order in and you get like chicken wings or you get, like you said, the rotisserie chicken, just saving the bones from those. Yeah. Um, and I'll make stock from that as soon as the bag is full. 
Oh, that's great. That's a good technique. Until I need it. But if you're like in a pinch, you know, for Thanksgiving or whatever, then, you know, you do whatever you have to do, but the stock is definitely essential. And you're completely right on that. The only thing that I would add is if you need to make gluten-free gravy, Mm -hmm. the one thing that I've learned is because if you're making gravy and you do your little like roux in the pan, so you're adding like the flour to, you know, the butter in the pan. Yep. Um, if you make gluten-free gravy, you basically is, uh, mix the, the gluten-free flour with your liquid, mm-hmm. like with the stock, before it goes into the pan. Otherwise, it gets really weird and clumpy, but it comes out like you can actually make – like if you don't need it to be gluten-free, then make normal gravy because that's always going to be better. But if you need it to be gluten-free, you can make delicious gravy by adding your gluten-free flour to the stock – before you add it to the pan. Yeah, like do it in a little saucepan. At room temperature, just in a little measuring cup or something like that, um, just whisk it together. So that's a really a good um, gluten-free gravy trick, is just don't try and make roux like normal. Add the flour and the liquid together to the pan to make the gravy. All right, I love that. And we should have mentioned earlier, I should have mentioned, um, you can always just buy your stock for sure. You can do that. But there's also a ton of easy ways to make your own little bone broth stock. Just just cook it down. Cook it down slowly. And if you are lacking in aromatics, keep cooking it down. Keep cooking it down. Keep concentrating. Yeah, Yeah, the meat flavor. Cranberry sauce is a classic. And I I love that... uh, I'm not a big cranberry sauce guy, but I love having it on that Thanksgiving plate because you can sort of dip into it and it's like this palate refresher as you're eating all these other things. And my only um, suggestion for cranberry sauce, a way to make it really good is you can zest a bunch of citrus and then you can blitz the citrus after you've zested it. So if you zest a bunch of citrus and you have those like little strips, um, you could blitz those in a blender real quick. If you need those to break down and incorporate better into your cranberry sauce. And the other thing is you always want to make the cranberry sauce way ahead of time and set it in the fridge and let those flavors sort of develop. um, So you can just knock that out a day ahead of time. But what would you drink with cranberry sauce? And what else? You got anything but uh, cranberry sauce? Yeah, the, the whole like acid thing is really nice, I think. For some reason, the cranberry, like, not to always go back to the honey tree, but they make that bouquet toss, mm. which is their, like, hibiscus and rosehip and linden flower. To me, that just reminds me of, like, the cranberry thing. But um, adding the lemon zest, I think, to the cranberry is really, really cool. And so um, I think with that, even doing, if we could go, you can go with any of the whites that we talked about before or do a really light red. So, like, we talked, I think, about Beaujolais during the last little thing sure. and how kind of fun and bright that is. But even, like, if you can get a little more developed Beaujolais or even if you go to, like, the Jura region of France and get, like, Trousseau, it's these really cool, light-bodied, bright things mm. that have, like, some cool earth to them. So they don't drink as, like, fresh and, like, candied fruit as Beaujolais does. So, like, uh, red from the Jura, whether it's Pinot or Trousseau, or even, like, um, Sicilian, like, Etna Rosso, is that really nice, bright, oh, yeah. but that has that sort of dark, volcanic-y, earth sort of feel. It doesn't drink heavy, it just adds that, that like, sort of texture and minerality to it that sort of, 
I think goes really nicely with the fruit of cranberry that balances the acidity of it. Oh, that's great. Those are great Thanksgiving wines. All those light reds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like having that on the table. But it's not just fruit. It's like got so much more going on to go with kind of the darker, earthier components of like the turkey and the gravy and and stuffing and things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Another classic, sweet potatoes with marshmallows. The uh, sweet potato casserole um, that you're essentially similar to the mashed potatoes. You're cooking these sweet potatoes down in water, softening them, mashing them, adding them to a casserole dish. You can get really um, involved as we've talked about spices and we talked about Spices Inc., the great spices from them. You can do, you know, your cinnamon, allspice, nutmeg. If you want to shave nutmeg in there, that'd be a way to kind of make it even nicer, yeah. more aromatic, do a nice vanilla mm-hmm. extract in there. And then I love, um, shout out to Cece, the marshmallows on top, putting that in, you know, you put the marshmallows on for the last five or 10 minutes of the bake. And that's great. My pairing for this one, this is like, this is great leftover food. Or like if you're eating, if you're traditionally eating Thanksgiving in the afternoon or something, and then you're going to be eating your first leftover plate that night. I love having some of that sweet potato leftover with a little bit of bourbon. Oh yeah. Kind of a no brainer, but yeah, that's what I was. So I was going to say, I, I definitely think like something slightly bitter. So even like, like a Toronto would be awesome. Oh yeah. Um, the I rye whiskey for net idea of yeah, maple syrup cocktail, even, but yeah, like the bur- bourbon or even like hoppy beer or hoppy cider. If you want to go something a little lighter, Nice. But I think you're spot on with the bourbon thing. But like bourbon to me with maybe just like a touch of bitterness in it. Love it. So maybe even like a like a bitter forward Manhattan, like a black Manhattan with oh, a little yeah. Amaro in there. Or yeah. uh, if, if it's... Throw it, back to the hole in house. There you bourbon. go. <laughs> and if you, uh, if you have really cheap bourbon or um, just a bourbon maybe you're not crazy about, Throw a little extra bitters in there, a little extra ango. We need more bitters. <laughs> there you go. And you're going to need it to help digest all this food too. So Angostura is a good friend to lean on these these days. All right, so let's move into the turkey, the big one with turkey. My only um, cooking advice for turkey is, is experiment with brines. Look into like a buttermilk brine. I've done that. That was amazing. And uh, my mom does a beautiful turkey every year, and she does – like a spice brine. Yeah, dry brine. Dry brine. Such a good idea. So good. Yeah. And then the other thing is you want to baste, baste, baste. And yeah. we've had some luck. Let's see. When I had to cook turkey here for Thanksgiving one year, I had some luck, you know, putting a touch of tin foil over the top of the skin when the skin was getting a little too cooked towards the end mm-hmm. and yeah. the rest of it needed to cook. Added, you know, use a little bit of tin foil. And was able to remove the tinfoil towards the end to get it still super crispy and lovely. And uh, but yeah, we don't we don't need to get too much into turkey because there's plenty of resources for that. But let's talk pairing with turkey. Um, yeah. Well, so I have one word when it comes to turkey, especially if you don't need it to come to the table whole and pretty, and you're gonna carve it and serve just like serve it carved and and dressed, you know, on the table. Yep. Is spatchcock. Oh yeah. Take the boat, take the backbone out of that thing, flatten it out, and then you don't ever have to worry. If you've dry brined it, it's going to stay moist, and then the entire bird is going to cook evenly, and 
inside and out. It's going to be tender. It's going to be cooked all the way the same. And it takes like a fraction of the time of roasting the turkey whole. That's a great idea. You don't know what spatchcocking is. We don't have to go into it a lot. Yeah, spatchcock your turkey. I'm a big fan of spatchcocking chicken and turkey. So it is. It is something you want to do. Like the the bigger barbecue places and buy a smoked turkey breast that they offer. There you go. (laughs) It it is uh, something you want to look at when you are cooking large birds. Like if you have a chicken that's really big or you're cooking a big turkey, it is super helpful. Yeah. Um. So turkey, I love, there's a wine that I love for Thanksgiving every year, and I just love the way it goes with turkey. The Domaine Fonsaine, um, that rosé they make with Grenache. Oh, yeah. I love that one. I've got some in the fridge right now, and yeah. I just love that wine with turkey. It's super light. It's like fruity, kind of melds with the cranberry sauce a little bit. Um, totally. But I love these lighter lighter reds and then um, even lighter rosés with with turkey but there's just a whole host of different wines you can you can pair with turkey basically no matter what you want to drink you can drink with turkey i think the rosé thing is absolutely awesome and then even you know fuller whites but that have a little bit of minerality because you're going to want to keep things a little bit you know it's the the heavier your food gets the the lighter you want your palate to feel so just but I think rosé is definitely a good bet. And you're the sort of French Grenache Senso rosé, or even I just tried one from Corsica. Looks like medium body, but it drinks really cool and like softer fruit and lots of like zippy earth. Really, really good. Cool. Another real crowd pleaser, I think, with turkey this time of year is just Gamay, which we've talked about Beaujolais. But a lot of, you know, Gamay is just such a, a backbone uh, pairing wine. You know, we talked about, we talked to Alex Birch about it before where he's like, you know, honestly, he's like, I hate to say it's a crutch, but uh, it is kind of a crutch when you need something, but it's also just beautiful because it's light and it just screams, you know, great with food. Yeah. And my buddy, Justin, I mean, it's like a Psalms dream. It's Gamay is the new Riesling. Mm-hmm. For Psalms, I think, <laughs> which is funny because I'm now obsessed with Riesling. I'm like the, you know, a decade late Psalm to the game. <laughs> well, you were around for the summer of Riesling, right? I was. Indeed, <laughs> but at that time, I was like, you know, still, I'm like, yeah, this is good wine. And, you know, there were people bringing around like super old, weird, weird Rieslings. And I was like, yeah, I get that it's good. I just don't get why all of you were obsessed with it. Uh-huh. And now I'm like, obsessed with it and a lot of it has to do with you know that winery in colorado that i think is is making some of the best riesling that i've ever had um and what winery is that really is that jackrabbit hill no that's the storm cellar okay yeah it's in hotchkiss right and it's two psalms from denver who just decided they they found this vineyard that's on limestone soil in six thousand feet elevation in colorado and it's, it seems like a terrible place to have a winery and they're making just like world-class wine and Riesling because of the weather there is just, it's coming out so beautiful and complex and they're really growing it like farmer style, letting it be what it wants. And then, you know, processing it in a way that makes it really, really good for food. And so, um, I mean, they make all of their wines that they make, they make pretty much all whites and some rosés and they're all really insanely delicious. Um, but they are definitely, changing the game well um, i think you could do amazing. i think you could do riesling with turkey 
Oh, there's definitely uh, Rieslings that would work yeah, really yeah, well yeah. for for all this heavy stuff because yeah. they would just play off the heaviness of the whole thing. Well, and I think the reason that Psalms love Gamay and Psalms love Riesling is because there's it's such a you can't just go in and buy a bottle or you can go in and buy a bottle of Chardonnay and there's definitely diversity in Chardonnay, but you're gonna know basically what the tasting notes are gonna be. Mm-hmm. And you can go in and buy two different bottles of Riesling and they're going to taste like completely different wines. And you can go in and buy two different bottles of Gamay and they're going to taste like completely different wines. Yep. So I think the complexity of it and the nuances of both of those wines are what people who know wine are so attracted to. And that is what makes them such a good crutch because they're so versatile but you really have to talk to somebody when you go. If you don't know what labels to look for, you need to talk to somebody about what you're buying or you're going to end up with Blue Nun, which is like the joke Riesling of the world, which is what gave Riesling such a bad reputation. Sure. It's just that sweet entry-level stuff that's basically like a bunch of leftover juice, um, which is a perfect thing for you to go buy if you have a relative who loves. If you have someone in your household you're celebrating within your household – and somebody just loves sweet wine and they're not going to appreciate a nicer wine that you open, go buy them one of those Rieslings because then they're going to really love that and they can enjoy that while you appreciate the, the wine that you really want to drink. But yeah, Gamay is great. And the, um, was it Brock Cellars from California? They do a yep. lot of like old world grapes in a sort of progressive style. Mm-hmm. And, and they make really great gamay and there's a ton of really cool winemakers um in california that are you know and around the united states that are doing really fun things with gamay too so yeah killer all right let's talk a little bit you had mentioned uh ham because a lot of people do like turkey and ham or um ham's a big one for christmas and just this time of year in general I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell me about uh, how you love cooking ham, because I don't cook a lot of ham myself, and what you what you might want to pair with it as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't cook a lot of, like, ham, because if you're getting a ham, you're usually getting it kind of, like, ready to eat, you know? Mm-hmm. But definitely pork. Like, I think this year we're just going to maybe, like, roast a pork butt, and rather than do it, like, barbecue style, just roast it so you can kind of slice it almost like you would a ham or a turkey. Sure. Um. But the beauty of it is that it's really hard to screw it up and uh, because naturally pork is going to stay pretty moist and uh, the saltiness of it just kind of brings together all the other things that you want to eat. And it's super versatile, just like all the Thanksgiving foods. So you could have red with it. You could have, you know, rosé with it. You could have white with it. But I would definitely say with something salty and fatty like ham, go for something with acid. Mm-hmm. You know, so getting cooler climate Riesling or getting, you know, reds that have a bunch of acid to them. Italian reds are great for that. Just something that's going to have some acid because of the fat and the salt. Cleanse that palate. Don't get, Cleanse don't let it get palate. overwhelmed. Get some mead, you know, get their hopped mead. If they have that available at Honey Tree, you know, the pineapple sage is great also to go with ham because like, ham and pineapples and herbs and you know i'm a big fan of that that ps i love you that they make because it does go really well with food because you have the fruit and the herbs that go with meat and vegetables and all the things that you want those aromatics without you know people don't necessarily not many people like 
pineapple on their ham pizza or whatever. You know, they don't like Hawaiian pizzas. Right. I don't. There's a reason that that thing exists. It's like, you know, it's like the tequila sunrise or the espresso martini. There's a reason that somebody came up with that. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) You're trying to get me to say, wake me up, fuck me up, aren't you? (laughs) Oh, I just did. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Oh, that's great. And then I would say, uh, with some, with some ham, you know, if you're, if you're like, cause a lot of times we're like you, if we're doing ham, it's going to be like a pork butt in the crock pot or, uh, in a Dutch oven yeah. or something like that. I like wines from the North of Spain or some, even like a, uh, Albarino potentially, um, to yeah. get some of that, like light citrus, those citrus notes. Um, yeah. and it kind of offsets the ham and kind of fancies it up a little bit yeah well and it's cool because like yeah the northern spain you know rioja is one of my favorite things to drink and it's because you have a grape that is in tempranillo that is naturally tannic and then it's one of the only old world places where they use american oak so you get those like vanilla and baking spice notes and those go really like the tannin to cut the fat of the pork and uh, the, like kind of dried fruit so that it doesn't eat like drink like rich on rich. But the like baking spice and vanilla and coconut thing to add that little kind of like tropical, like, you know, winteriness to it makes it really, really nice. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I'm, mm. I'm in the mood for all the wines now. I know. I'm so ready. Yeah. Well, uh, cool. this was great, Jess. I don't know if people eat stuffing, but I'm going to make cornbread. I'm obsessed with cornbread. There's some really good mills out here, like the Geechee Boy, which is now the Marsh Hen Mill. Um, I've just been obsessed with getting their cornmeal. We've got it. Yeah, we got it for yeah. our stuffing this year. Yeah, we oh, didn't talk stuffing. So good. And it's, That's it's right. just one of those things where I still just use the old, like the heritage, like the husk uh, recipe with the cast iron skillet. Yep. And it's just like buttermilk and cornmeal and, and fat and baking powder, I think. And it's just, it's so easy to cook and it's so delicious. And mm-hmm. I remember every time I do this for breakfast, I think of you because my my favorite thing is to have the leftover cornbread just in a, a coffee cup for breakfast with buttermilk. Oh yeah. And I remember when we first opened Husk and we had all that cruise buttermilk, you would just keep a jug of it behind the bar and just drink from it. Yeah, we were just doing <laughs> shots of it. Like, what is wrong with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this stuff is delicious. And it's like my favorite thing is just that it's so easy to make that cornbread and it's so good and you can crumble it into anything and mix it in with your vegetables or put it on your green beans or make stuffing. And I'm not doing it for Thanksgiving this year, but any t- the next time, whether it's Christmas or I get to gather with people, I'm going to get some of these awesome local oysters and make my first oyster stuffing just with this like homemade cornbread and these local oysters. So, so I, d- I did that a few years that. ago, the oyster, the oyster stuffing. And I would highly recommend that. That was just incredible. And being able to use, you know, I was, I, shuck the oysters immediately and then you add you can add some of that liquid in um you can even reduce so it's with uh my thing with stuffing is you want to be reducing stock off to the side and reduce and reduce and reduce and then add that to your stuffing before you bake it but then also you can add a little bit as you bake um or even brush it in a little bit because it absorbs all the liquid yes 
So you yeah. almost cannot, you cannot use too much stock a lot of time in your stuffing. Totally. And then, uh, I love herbs with the stuffing too, like sage, thyme, um, parsley, you know, lovage if you've got it, um, is really yeah. great. Cause then you get the celery flavor. Um, oh, and then also you can, uh, don't, don't let those like the weird yellow, um, strands of celery that, uh, that, that, that stretch out into the tops of the celery use those chop those up and use those yeah. in your stuffing because there's so much flavor in those and there's so much like celery leaf flavor um yeah it's just incredible yeah and then use the heel of your celery to make your stock there you go see it's all this this uh this full jail. circle yep. yeah you should read this <laughs> awesome book that i found it's called garden to glass <laughs> and it's all <laughs> these amazing herbs that you can discover that people think are weeds. And it's, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'll check it out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Thanks for the plug. For sure. No, I don't have to. Garden, man. It's amazing. It's, I've it learned so much from you about herbs and all the wonderful things they do. Yes. Yeah, sh- so shocker. I yeah. want to throw a bunch of herbs in there, but that's just. No, it's great. Oh, yeah. It makes everything so nice. Yeah. One thing I think we're doing this year um, that's a little bit different is I'm going to make a parsley oil because I'm making a parsnip puree. That was a request. I'm doing that actually instead of mashed potatoes this year. And um, I'm going to do a little parsley oil. And all I'm doing for that is blanching the parsley in water and then, uh, you know, boiling it for like five or six, eight minutes and then um, squeezing the moisture out and then blending it in a blender, blitzing it with oil and then just yeah. letting it strain for a while through like a coffee filter or something. And sure. um, I'm going to be kind of adding that little parsley oil into uh, some of the different dishes this year. That's something different that I'm doing. Yeah. And little dots on top. So do you mm-hmm. blanch it and then shock it in ice water or you go straight from blanching to squeezing out? Yes. I'm sorry. You want to blanch it and then shock, shock it. it in the ice water yeah. it keeps the vibrancy of the color, right? Yeah, it keeps that super green color. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Similar to what we were talking about. Yep. So that because oil and water don't mix. That's right. right. You blanch or squeeze the, the moisture out and then just blitz it with oil and then strain it through coffee filter or cheesecloth or whatever. I'm excited for your Thanksgiving and mine. I know. Well, let's share pictures and uh, maybe do a little FaceTime cocktail and... Uh, What's gonna yeah. be your What's gonna be your go to pre pre dinner aperitif pre pre prepping cocktail this year? Uh, let's see. So I would say because I'm very recently obsessed with these the vespers or these gin martinis, but then the last time they're so good that I end up not being productive and just falling asleep or watching a James Bond movie. But yep. I think I told you this, that the Massacon winery from California makes this amazing driver booth. It's like hyper aromatic, mm. um, which reminds me of the one that you're making that I can't wait to try. I know, But it's just making these really sexy martinis. Um, but because of that, I will probably take out the gin and make just like a light Italian grandpa drink mm-hmm. while I'm cooking, you know, and then, uh, if I need to take a break, we'll just, I'll take a little bit of the like syrup from the cranberry sauce and throw it into some soda water and, uh, zest, you know, some lemon, Meyer lemon peel into it just to refresh myself mm. and get ready for the wine extravaganza or the meat extravaganza. Sounds amazing. Dinner. Yeah. What are you going to have while you prep? So I'm going, um, let's see. Well, you can't go wrong with bubbles. 
I don't know if that's what you were going to say. But yeah. bubbles are always a good way. I, I you know what? I, oh, here's what I'll probably do is like yeah. uh, I mentioned the Koki Americano last time. Yeah. And that's that beautiful kind of Lillet replacement that uh, we all know and love. It is um, literal liquid gold because the foil on the label's gold. And uh, it's true. I'll probably I'll probably do like some fun little champagne cocktails with that. Just like a splash of that into some sparkling wa- into some sparkling wine with uh, maybe a dash of orange bitters or something, and just something yes. that keeps me keeps my palate, you know, dry and salivating for all the food. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, Koki Americano, just having like some chilled Koki with a little like citrus twist on it would be a great pairing for dessert, literally no matter what you're eating. Oh, yeah. Like, I think we're going to make a Meyer lemon pie. It's great with, with lemony type desserts. But even if you're having like apple or pecan or something like that or sweet potato pie or whatever, like just a little Koki because it's like not a lot of alcohol. It's a little bit digestive, but it has that beautiful aromatics and that real clean, like the sort of sweet front and real clean, bitter finish. So it's like a palate cleanser and a dessert pairing all in one. It is great for dessert. I agree. Because it's got that mo- that little bit of bitterness on the end that that's just makes for a great way to finish dessert or a meal. Um, yeah. So yeah, we didn't talk pies. I would just say that for pies, unless you're you're real you're real uh, you you traditionally make your own pies and all that, this would be a good time to support your local bakery, support your restaurants. I know I'm ordering some pies from a few different spots, and uh, if there's a side that you're lacking and you're stressing out about making it, just order it from one of these restaurants. And just get creative with it this year. and uh, Yeah. But yeah. order it ahead of time. Right. Don't think that you can call them on Wednesday and have a pie on Thursday because it's just not fair to people who make beautiful pies. It's true. And I will. I know I'm on board 100%. I agree with you. Order from your local pie people. And if you're in Nashville and she's not already too busy, your friend Tamara, who I love, love, love. Pie now. Makes beautiful. Yeah, makes beautiful desserts. Yeah, check them out. Pie now Nashville. But call her now. Yeah. Now's the time. It's almost Thanksgiving. That's Don't right. Wait. That's right. Don't wait till the last minute. Plan ahead. <laughs> well, Jess, thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you. Uh, it's so always so good to talk to you and let you let me babble and I love it. So. Hey, a wealth of information, and I think this is really going to help people uh, as they're getting through whatever kind of weird Thanksgiving that they're having this year. I know mine's going to be yeah. going to be different for sure, but uh, we'll make but make the most of it. Weird but yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Think of, think of the happy parts of it. Yeah. Yep. So it's an opportunity for you to enjoy your own company. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. We'll, ta- we'll talk day. to you soon. Love All you right, too. All right. See ya. All right. Thanks so much to Jess. That was amazing. She is just so talented. And, and I love just hearing her talk about food and wine because she loves it as much as I do. And, uh, and she's just got a lot of great insight. All right, we're going to grab Kenneth Dedman, get him on the line for some booze news. Let's call him up. And the time has come. <laughs> booze news with Kenneth Dedman, Thanksgiving edition. Who's the turkey now, baby? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do bitch. <laughs> and I was like, why would I do that? <laughs> it's a lot going on out there in the booze world. Tell me about it. 
it's a bunch of malarkey, man. We'll skip the uh, we'll we'll skip the Waffle House beer story. Waffle House made a beer has some bacon in it. Apparently, done. Called bacon, bacon and kegs. You can only, nice. You can go. You can only get it in Georgia six pack. Okay. Hmm. Recount. Recount. Up. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? The recount beer. So. What's booze worthy out there? Oh shit! Yeah, sorry. Tesla, Tesla motor motors, Tesla motors. Oh yeah, we watch the uh, space launches when we can. My daughter's really into that, so. Oh, that's cool. I like those. La- Try to keep up on those launches and landings. Yeah, landings, landings. Mm-hmm. Thing, man, that's what blows my mind. You can shoot anything. Yeah. Uh yeah. Tesla released their uh, signature tequila in the last week. Sold out immediately. Uh, Musk had, uh, had teased the brand a few years ago. Uh, his trademark name, uh, Teslaquila, mm-hmm. uh, what wouldn't fly with um, the uh, Mexican branding bureaucracy. Yeah, because he didn't want to use tequila. He wanted to call it Teslaquila. What a dick. Much so. Yeah, kind of a dick, dude. It's like the first person to be like, no, I don't want to call it tequila. It's something else. It's like, fuck off, dude. I want to respect him, man. <laughs> and I, I think I would if he would just like stop doing interviews and go about his fucking... He's smart as fuck, right? But for him sure. to... Um, he seems distracted a lot. Mm-hmm. And... For guys like that, I want I want them to focus a little bit more on what they're good at. I imagine him as like a real life Bond villain because he's so much like a Bond villain in those movies where they have like legitimate pursuits or you know they're going to charity dinners and stuff like that. But you know they have the capacity to do really strange and sketchy stuff. And I mean, and now he's basically like private NASA. So I would like to speculate that he's up to some really strange stuff like that we don't know about even stranger than trying to put glass domes on mars and live there it's like what does he know that we don't (laughs) he is the real life bond villain you paint you paint a uh sardonic uh (laughs) like black worldview and white picture of him and i'm i kind of kind of enjoy it Yeah, he's got that kind of cartoonish persona, too. Straight out of a comic book. Yeah, who who is his nemesis? Or nemesis? Is it me? Ford Motors? I don't know. (laughs) A little bit more capable of a nemesis of him than me. Like the bankroll, the know-how, the ability, the reason. Maybe like Kanye West. (laughs) Is <laughs> his villain? I think they're friends. They're probably friends. <laughs> I, yeah, they're probably yeah. part of the same uh, underworld circuit. Who is the hero in all this? Is that the problem? Like we do, we just don't have a hero. Who's the hero? That's that's a hmm. that's a good thought, and that's kind of how I've felt throughout all of COVID. Man, is you hear reports on the news and they're disputed and then there's new reports and they're disputed and everything's disputed everywhere 
and everyone seems like is everyone's honesty at these in these times seems like in dispute. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure if you have that kind of money, it's easy to just call up one of the distilleries down there and be like, "I'm going to send you a really expensive expensive bottle that I want you to put all this tequila in. I'm going to send you 300 bottles." It probably makes sense for them to do really limited batches, limited runs to sell it out. Well, you could just and have it be super rare on the secondhand market. I think that's funny when people do a limited run and they and then they like print limited run on the label. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> they should just print that. You're welcome. <laughs> what else you got out there in the world of move on boozeworthy news? Uh, Bush beer, Anheuser Busch. Coming out with a dog brew. A brew for your dogs? This is true. On board. Well, Anheuser-Busch has come out with a brew for dogs, which is a broth, a bone broth brew for dogs. It can be, it can wow. be administered to them at any temperature you wish, probably room temperature best for digestion. That's phenomenal. That, <laughs> do you, well, it sounds like it'd be really good for arthritic you dogs. Your, you give your dogs like a bunch of broth, fats, um, rare meats. No, we give them just just good dog food, treats, water. <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't know the brand. I think it's the Blue Mountain stuff or Blue something. I don't know. Blue Blue dog food, yeah. That's that's the kibble that I get for Chris. I think that is. I get him the blue wild, mm-hmm. wilderness, like no grain, just like dehydrated meat for wolf. Well, we might have to taste test it just to know. What I was we're already into. thinking about uh, dog yeah, beer. I was already thinking about using it, like getting it and using. It. I, I haven't found it yet, so not not here. But it's supposed to be readily available very soon. I think it's just like mail order right now. I figure it'll explode just with the bush label. It'll just be something that, like, if they market it right, like, if they keep it, if they put it in, like, the beer aisle, that would be odd. But they could throw it in, like, the non-alcoholic part of the beer aisle. Dog food aisle. And the dog. They could put it in two different parts of the grocery store, basically. Head for the mountains of bush with your dog. Something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Head for the mountains with your dog, Bush Beer. Yeah. Honestly, I could, <laughs> I could imagine probably a situation where I got those and some regular beer and drank those before I drank the beer. I think on that one. PepsiCo is coming up with a uh, drinkable apple pie, a special edition of Pepsi. I heard about that. That popped up on one of my Instagram ads. Yeah. That's because they're spying on you. They're spying on me. Because they know I want it. Because they know I probably, I think I ordered an apple pie through Amazon or through Instagram. One of the bakers around uh, town. I guess like they're doing a contest, actually. Like they're 15 two liter bottles, 1500 two liter bottles that they're gifting to people that send them, um, photos of bake like baking fails so you're making a pie and you burn it or you, you pull the pie out mm. of the oven and your dog runs through and you drop it on your child 
they want like in the darkest of times, Pepsi is coming up with a fucking product that might be desirable if they didn't like beg you to humiliate yourself and share it. Yeah, see, now I'm just going to manufacture a baking fail just to see if I can get my hands on this this apple pie soda because I want to try it. Shit, like everyone's good at they could do something yep. fantastic and I wish wish them all luck. Uh, I might try to get my hands on a bottle, so I'll let you know. I'm going to bake a pie just to burn it. <laughs> Thanks, Pepsi. <laughs> Pepsi's like, joke's on you, idiot. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, here's the two liters. It's in the mail. Don't worry about it. Toilet. Ooh. <laughs> you ever done that? Put like a can of Coke in your toilet. All right. Well, uh, Pepsi's apple pie cola. I'm not sure if I'll ever get to try it. Probably not going to do the fail pie just to try and get a free bottle in the mail, but I considered it. But uh, thanks to Kenneth Edman. Thank you to Jess Backus. Thank you to Jess Matchin for the liquid gold logo. You can find Jessica Backus at the Delaney Oyster House in Charleston, one of Kenneth and I's favorite spots. And uh, find Kenneth over at Husk. Shout out to Upright T-Rex Music for the tunes, producer Michael Eads at We Own This Town, and everybody at WeOwnThisTown.net. You can find a lot of cool podcasts and music there. They do a music show weekly that is just phenomenal, so check that out. We have got some fun holiday stuff coming up, talking chocolate, talking Pecan, the Brooklyn cocktail, and a bunch of other stuff as well. I think we're going to get into Coquita at some point, so... Everybody have a great Thanksgiving in whatever form your Thanksgiving takes this year. My name's Mike Wolf. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time right here on Liquid Gold.